We're pleased to present today's Over the Edge interview with Faye Erjamande. Faye happens to be the winner of the 2020 Edge Woman of the Year Award, which is brought to you by the Linux Foundation's State of the Edge Project and Edge Computing World. If you know anybody who would be a good candidate for this year's award, head on over to edgecomputingworld.com slash edgewomanoftheyear. That's edgecomputingworld.com slash edgewomanoftheyear, one big word, where the 2021 award nominations are being accepted through July 30th. Hello, and welcome to Over the Edge. Today's episode features an interview between Matt Trefiro and Faye Arjamandi, founder, president, and CEO of Mimic Technology. Faye is a serial entrepreneur, multiple-time CEO, and authoritative voice in the tech industry. She's an official member of the Forbes Technology Council and recently received the State of the Edge and Edge Computing World 2020 Edge Woman of the Year Award. In this interview, Faye discusses the origins of Mimic's hybrid edge cloud computing application development platform and how it is enabling digital transformation and helping build a socially and economically sustainable applications ecosystem. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsors. Over the Edge is brought to you by the generous sponsorship of Catchpoint, NetFoundry, Ori Industries, Packet, Seagate, Vapor.io, and Zenlayer. This episode of Over the Edge is brought to you by Seagate. Seagate's new Cortex Intelligent Object Storage software is 100% open source. It enables efficient capture and consolidation of massive, unstructured datasets for the lowest cost per petabyte. Learn more and join the community at Seagate.com. And now, please enjoy this interview between Faye Arjamandi, founder, president, and CEO of Mimic Technology, and your host, Matt Shafiro. Hi, this is Matt Trefiro, CMO of Edge Infrastructure Company Vapor.io and co-chair of the Linux Foundation State of the Edge Project. Today, I'm here with Faye Arjamande, founder and CEO of Mimic Technology and the winner of State of the Edge and Edge Computing World's 2020 Edge Woman of the Year Award. We're going to talk about Faye's background in technology, her journey of starting Mimic and pioneering hybrid edge cloud technology, and how Edge Cloud is powering the future of a socially and economically sustainable hyper-connected world. Hi, Faye. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Hello, and thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about you because I've been observing Mimic technology as an outsider. I haven't, prior to this conversation, had much of a chance to, to really dig in. But before we start talking about edge computing and all of that, I'd like to know a little bit about how you even got into technology. Well, I graduated from electrical engineering. I did that at my academia. And then after that, I started working for a mobile workforce management company called the MBSI as one of the lead software developers. And then my journey of being an entrepreneur started from there because that's right when uh, we were kind of transitioning from the laptop world to a so-called mobile world, which were the HP iPack devices with CDPD connected cards and GPS kind of PCMCIA card. So that's that's how it started. That's great. And when was Mimic Technology founded? Uh, the concept started in 2009. That's, uh, that's how I started the company under a project code named Disternet, as in decentralized internet. But uh, we kept it quiet. We started developing quietly. We developed the first version of the product, which was a software middleware and a gateway. 
And then in 2014, and I slowly collected the team, the people that understood the big uh, opportunity, understood the challenge that we are going after. And then in 2014, we actually changed the name to or established the main name Mimic, as in mimicking the cloud to the edge. And we applied all the learning on the first generation of product to go really big and turning every device with an available compute into a so-called edge cloud computing device. And then we finally came out of a stealth mode mid-2019. So what is it that Mimic does? So we're transitioning from mobile internet era to the hyper-connected world era. Mobile was mobile internet was about mobile connect to internet consume content. Hyper-connected world era is about digital intersecting with every physical aspect of our lives around us. So digital will be around everything we do, whether we're inside the car, inside the manufacturing, inside the hospital, inside the home. So digital will continue basically be part of our lives. And that's what uh, Mimic enables the digital solutions to mimic the physical interactions. Today, we provide a software development platform that is kind of taking after some of the best of things that happens in cloud, such as, you know, developing microservice architecture, RESTful API-based, proper deployment of, you know, orchestration and deployment of workload across multiple um, kind of uh, servers. And we brought that concept into device because if we truly believe in hyper-connected world, the compute is available where the data is, the data source, and where we can process right there the raw data and translated into information. And this is where the action happens, right? So that when, when I'm, let's say, a thermostat that collecting information about the temperature need to now communicate with the rest of uh, uh, the, the household electronic devices in order to take an action, like a temperature sensor now communicates with the thermostat or a solar panel system that is measuring the storage of the energy in the solar panel need to communicate with the rest of the house in order to balance the power consumption across the devices. So that's what Mimic is actually enabling. Mimic is enabling the ability for creating this ad hoc service mesh that you can process data where the compute is, uh, create a workload, translate that data into knowledge and create a communication of knowledge amongst the other devices and then send that final outcome or knowledge to the cloud as necessary. Okay, there is so much to unpack in there and I'm really interested in it. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so let me start with what I first thought of. So when you mentioned about the out there in the world is where all the actions happening, that's absolutely true. You know, we tend to think of the internet and the cloud as being everywhere, but it's not. It's in these large centralized data centers that aren't where the actions, the actions on my phone or in the car or in my house or, you know, at the top of a mountain. And I immediately thought of when you said mimic, I thought of digital twins and I thought of the spatial web. And I'm wondering first, is there is there an interconnection there where you're sort of imagining at some point in the future, you're modeling in some ways the entire world uh, and applying compute to a representation of it as well as intersect the intersection of the actual data or am i am i going off in a in a science fiction direction we're not modeling the world the world gets modeled 
automatically. Okay. Right? Because because they, it, I'm not here to model the world and mimic is not this. In fact, we have a lot of uh, calls for data privacy and maintaining users' data private and all that. But the world gets modeled automatically, right? Because uh, where the data source is and the data needs to translate into the knowledge and the knowledge need to communicate between entities, between digital devices, between the physical and digital world, right? We sense the physical world and then we communicate, we translate that into a digital aspect and then create a communication between these digital aspects. And when I, when I say we, I don't necessarily mean, mean mimic. Mimic enables those transactions, right? So it's more about digital need to be closer to the physical reality, right? Instead of, and as we have more devices coming to network and all devices have more compute, more memory, more uh, storage, they're all connected. It doesn't make sense to constantly send data back to cloud for processing and translation to knowledge before you share knowledge back with the edge. And now in order for that knowledge to be sent from one device to another device, you go back to cloud in order to do it again, right? So that's that's why we say mimic the cloud to the edge so that you allow uh, those digital transactions and knowledge, those digital information to get processed into a knowledge and knowledge gets shared uh, as an intelligent workflow. Now, now is Mimic uh, exclusively a software platform? We are exclusively a software platform. Uh, we have a runtime environment that developers can go to developer.mimic.com. They download the so-called Edge Engine for all operating system, Android, iOS, Windows, Mac, Linux, Raspbian, QNX, uh, robotic operating system, open routing network. Uh, and then they start their their application architecture with, uh, with a standard serverless microservice and RESTful API first. And they develop it and then they package these applications. If it's a direct-to-consumer they package it. They package the APK with these microservice bundle in it, and they put it on App Store. If it's an enterprise, it goes through the distribution of uh, enterprise application launch. And we also have this library called HSDK that is for free Arthos microcontroller, which means that now a free Arthos sensor can have a two-way communication with an application on, let's say, on another device like iPhone or Android or others. So you have a, uh, as you mentioned, a developer uh, module that I can uh, place on any device, okay? And whether whether it's a, a car or a thermostat or an iPhone, and that package that's on that device, what does it enable? What does it allow that device to do? The runtime environment that component provides API to application. What it does is that it exposes a series of API. One is about the resource, the resource that this device has, and then about discovering other resources that are enabled with Mimic. So, and that is about context, providing context. Nearby devices. You mean nearby devices that have Mimic running on the Moscow? Exactly. So okay. nearby devices, and that can be based on three scope. The scope of network proximity and account. So network, how many other devices are on this network, right? And that, that means attached to the same Wi-Fi 
or attached to an, let's say, an open run in a manufacturing board. Then the second one is proximity. What are the devices that are with my, within my vicinity? I give you an example. For example, when you think about smart cars communicating with each other within vicinity of each other, they're not necessarily attached to the same network, but they are within proximity of each other. The third one is account. So what are the devices that belong to me as Faye or Jomandi or a collection of devices that belong to an enterprise? So that's one thing. It's about cluster formation, ad hoc discovery of resources based on those three scopes that they can now uh, discover each other and connect with each other within and across cluster from each other. On top of it is a light container that looks like it smells like and have the same API as Docker. And what it does, it provides a runtime environment for workload for serverless microservice. And now those microservices can utilize those clusters in order to communicate with each other, right? So imagine a camera, and now it wants, it detects a suspicious face, and now it wants to inform other camera within vicinity. So now these workloads can, in an ad hoc fashion, communicate with each other. And the third one is so-called, we call it a la Google Istio in terms of discovering the service mesh or being able to do things such as load balancing from edge, right? So I am now on the application side on device and I want to be able to send a part of data to one cloud, let's say due to the data privacy, to one backend versus another part of data to another backend, right? Or I want to decide uh, how to invoke, let's say, a mobile edge computing, or I want to I want to decide where is the closest data center to me in order to send this information to. So these are the three things that this runtime environment provides from the context point of view as an API to the applications that they can utilize their resource and to, to the applications that are running on the device? Running on the device, yes. Okay. Yes. Now now imagine a microservice on one device can send data to a backend function or global function on public cloud to invoke another microservice on another device within one of these three clusters or to communicate back with its own application. So it depends on the now the business logic or the application logic in how to utilize this. Yeah, okay. And then what's the relation between the devices running Mimic and say some nearby infrastructure? And I understand that you could you know, identify where you wanna send it and Mimic would help you do that, but do you also have a piece of software that is running on, say, a, a mech device or in a data center that's, you know, near a cable head end or a, a cell tower or back on, you know, Amazon's cloud somewhere? Do you have those pieces as well? Absolutely. And in fact, the reason we call, we always say hybrid edge cloud, because we believe edge and others will always coexist, right? That That is, that is number one. Uh, while the developer community see our runtime environment, but we do have some global functions that are running in, on, on public cloud as well. Now, our edge engine can be part of any third-party hardware, such as a base station, 
We do have a partnership with a company called Lime Microsystem that they provide network in a box. And uh, now when they install the base station, that almost overnight turned into a mobile edge computing. And also a piece of software can be on a regional data center or on an, uh, on a, a, let's say, a vapor IO infrastructure, which means that now these resources are becoming, are getting exposed as part of the, the rest of the hybrid edge, right? So are you saying that I would run the same device runtime on any device, whether it's a server sitting in an edge data center or a, an iPhone or a, a processor in a car. Absolutely, absolutely. And they all, so yes, yeah, so you start getting to this world of, of fungible resources and federating those resources to run more complex workloads? Absolutely. I mean, that, these, are, these are the capability that we enable. Yeah, that's really neat. Can you talk about some of the applications that your customers are using Mimic to implement today? Absolutely. And the application or variety from simple wellness application that is just everyday application that uh, you are using that is now has embedded macro service in it. So when the user downloads it, it already built in with Edge Engine and a series of macro services. And what happens is that the company has changed two things. The company that developed the application with Mimic in Wellness one is that they change their front end, that decompose the front end application into microservices. Two is that they brought the, some of the back end functions as a microservice on device. When they are decomposing the front end application to a standard JavaScript based serverless microservice, they reduce the development time to market because with Mimic Edge Engine, you can put that microservice, you don't need to redevelop it for all other operating systems. When they bring a backend function from the cloud to the device, they reduce the latency of communication and cost of cloud. So that is one of the two aspects of how you can develop with Mimic. Now, I give you more complex use cases, such as in a smart mobility board, right? So in a smart mobility, we have a, we have a partner that they are, uh, they are enabling AI-driven smart mobility. They training the model in cloud. Then they push the model to a camera on the car. The camera is now observing based on the model. At that moment, two things could happen. Let's say that the camera observing something that is already in the model. And the moment that, ob let's say, is an obstacle, the moment that obstacle gets detected, now the board that runs the camera send a message to an infotainment system, again, through microservice and RESTful API, that, hey, there is an obstacle. That is using cluster of network because both devices are in the same car and they have a local connectivity. Then utilizing the proximity cluster, it inform all other cars within the vicinity that, hey, there is an obstacle. And it also inform a smart traffic light to turn the, the traffic light from green to yellow to red. All that done again using microservice based and RESTful API. And with that, they reduce again, they, they, they reduce the latency because in a case like this, time is of essence. 
So the moment you're detecting obstacle, you want to let everybody else know and everything become homogeneous because one of the problems of edge, as we have more devices coming on network, a different operating system with different connectivity, the job of developing application, the job of developing workload becomes more difficult because you have to keep repeating that same development across different operating systems. With Mimic, we kind of create a homogeneous environment across all these operating systems. And then as the companies develop their solution and they realize that, oh, they need an additional piece because everything is now based on microservice architecture, integration become much easier because everything is become uh, RESTful API centric. So that's that's kind of a true use case, but we have companies that developing healthcare application with Mimic due to data privacy. They have companies that are developing fintech application, also due to cost and privacy. We have more futuristic companies that they're looking at a smart mobility, right? It's kind of a longer term plan with, uh, with AIs and understanding of uh, being able to push a model on the device. Uh, and then we have telco initiatives, uh, such as what I exam- uh, uh, used as line microsystem that they are within the telco sector. So we have a variety of uh, different companies. We have a smart home solution for telcos. And that is, uh, like, for example, I can give you one example. My father is partially visually impaired. I've been looking for a camera that uh, when my mom leaves home, she can activate the camera and that camera just streams to the people that she trusts. Let's say I'm having an interview with you and I have a, a small window that I can see how my father is doing. But I couldn't find something like this. And that's something that Mimic enables because now uh, as part of uh, devices within the same cluster of account, she can activate a camera to start streaming to an individual, to a specific person versus constantly streaming to cloud, which becomes very, creates privacy risk, right? Privacy and inefficiency and a lot of other things. Yeah, I, I certainly see that. Privacy, inefficiency, yes. For telcos, is a huge cost around orchestration of all these devices if this is a uh, offering for telco. For consumer, this is a privacy issue. And also experience due to latency and all these things. And, and why not utilize the power of reachable a device is reachable, a power of the device already have uh, ability uh, to process video, uh, right. So these are the capabilities that uh, Mimic enables so that you can trick, treat the device almost as if you're utilizing the cloud. Got it. I have so many questions. This is so interesting. So maybe a simple one. So how does Mimic make money? How do you engage with your customers? Who's paying you? What are they paying for? How, how does that work? Yes, Mimic has a SaaS-based business model. So first of all, for developers, it's free. Developers can go and download and start developing, which we encourage people to do that. Uh, And then once the solution go to a commercial setting, then we have SaaS model, but it's a SaaS model that is not on a recording every transaction, but for the edge engine is, is like a one-time uh, fee. Uh, and then on top of it, one-time per active application per month type of a fee. And then on top of that, uh, we have a series of application domain software as a services. But d- depending on the customer and depending on the use cases, 
there are variety of different business models that we also uh, uh, engage in in engagement with customers. We reach uh, a right conclusion that be a win-win model for both parties. Uh, I personally think one of the things that we as ecosystem need to innovate on is the business models for this new era. And that's uh, some of the activities that we're also looking at right now. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. And one of the reasons I was asking about the business model was your example of the the car, right? So mm-hmm. in that example, the Mimic device engine, the runtime engine is running on the infotainment system on the car, maybe on three or four of the the servers on the car. It's also running on the traffic light. It's also running on the other cars it's communicating to. And it's hard for me to imagine that world actually coming together without some big part of that being open source. And I, I'm saying that because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually very involved in open source, the Linux Foundation, LF Edge, and the State of the Edge. And so I'm wondering, you've probably thought about this, and I'm, I'm curious how, how you think about the, the need to have ubiquity and an ecosystem where Mimic is hopefully going to be a gigantic company, but you can't get every design win in every device. So how, how do you think about that? Absolutely. So we are a big supporter of APIs. Number one, we say that, you know, we, we are a big supporter of ecosystem. That's number one, right? So we be basically saying that the opportunity is bigger than, way bigger than, one single company winning everything, you know. And as technologists, we don't want, we're not a supporter of monopoly. In fact, I sometimes joke with my friends that if monopoly happens, none of us, we're all going to turn into blue-collar workers. So this is the blue-collar workers of future. So we think this is an ecosystem play. We think that the opportunity is uh, quite uh, lucrative for everybody to play. And we're a big believer of the API first approach, because in that, in that context, you can innovate and create IP within your own environment and expose your API so that you can communicate with each other, right? It's almost like you can build your house in any way, shape or form that you want, but you will have a ring, doorbell ring, and you will have a door for someone to enter. And when it comes to ecosystem, we're coming from a heavy telco background. In fact, if you look at the company, it's uh, they have, they've been in the telco sector for some time. We believe in a bazaar model versus a cathedral model, right? When you build it, when you build a church, you build it very specific, with a very specific architecture, and it's a place for worship, and people go. And it's they, everybody do the same thing. We believe in the ecosystem that is like a bazaar. Everybody define their own set of things that they sell. Consumer goes and they can pick and choose different parts of the world, different parts of the product that they want from different entities and different companies. But the bazaar itself goes by set of regulations, right? Which is similar to how internet formed, right? Internet was about HTTP protocol. But then how every single individual building their solution, it's up to them. Having said that, we also support open source. In fact, we have, for example, integration with Open Horizon, which is the open source uh, uh, project from IBM. Uh, And uh, we are uh, as we are because we are now 
uh, scaling our commercial team. Uh, in fact, just this morning we were we were in a discussion in how to be uh, contribute more into the open source ecosystem. Yeah, and it's a fast changing world, and so it definitely you're in here at the right time, you know, participating at, at it seems like the right level with the, the with a, a very progressive approach that I think is going to be the winning approach. Sure. So speaking of the fast paced world, in fact, that's why RESTful APIs are so important because there are so much we don't know, right? We don't know what we don't know, and I think that's one of the challenges of enterprises right now. It's almost like okay. I need to do my digital transformation. Where do I start? Where do I define the product? How do I do it? How do I start the development? And I think for that reason, RESTful APIs become so important. And just defining an architectural pattern of microservices becomes so important because that allows people to iterate in design, development, and delivery and integration with the rest of the world. So that is actually, that's why we're such a big supporter. In fact, when people say, so what Mimic does, we say, hey, just simply we enable microservice development on device, any device, right? Because that is the key in terms of market adoption of digital solutions in a sustainable and systematic approach. Yeah, and you did mention earlier that you support the container infrastructure and you're with a Docker compatible container, which makes me think it's it's maybe something you designed yourself. And I wanted to ask about that because, you know, when there's when you talk about about edge to developers, you you tend to hear a lot of the same things coming up. And from a a orchestration, scheduling, coordination, microservice perspective, you know, Kubernetes is what everybody's talking about. And I'm wondering how you view Kubernetes and how that relates to the Mimic technology. So Kubernetes, that's a very good question. And uh, Kubernetes is providing the orchestration and dynamic uh, deployment of microservices based on a set of cloud-centric contexts. Mimic is complementary with, with Kubernetes because we kind of provide that cluster management, cluster formation on the device level. And we can now provide additional context to Kubernetes as well. Context meaning that, hey, these are this is the type of resource. In fact, the way we see it is that anything outside the data center is almost like their new resource set of computational resource. So if I have, let's say, 64 class of resource today in cloud, now I have another set of uh, compute as a continuum to what's available in cloud. But the nature of these devices are different. Like we have latency issue on the edge. Uh, we have the variety of resource on the edge. We have the type of network that this device is connected to. Uh, on the edge. We have power management on the edge. We have, so all these varieties are the new context that our API exposes that now even something like Kubernetes can utilize it in order to do a better job at deployment and support both cloud and edge. And the new information, the new knowledge, because you see, even when we talk about AI, we talk about training in the cloud, providing model to the edge. But very soon, you're going to see that these edge nodes provide information to each other that actually 
the central training doesn't have, right? And now the edge nodes provide a knowledge to cloud that to that global training that they don't have. So the similar thing is gonna is the way that we look at Kubernetes, right? So all these um, context and information that we provide in the edge is also complementary to Kubernetes. We come from the developer background, so we we didn't want to actually force developers to use a complete new proprietary stack. So we said there are things that works well. Let's provide a semi-equivalent of them in the edge, and let's not tie developers' hand in the back that say, now you are stuck with the rest of your application stack to follow a certain model. No, we said that you can now utilize the cloud, you have new information and context on the edge that Mimic provides you, and now the world is about interaction and RESTful APIs. So if I hear you correctly, we don't yet live in a world where there's a Kubernetes cluster running across nine cars that are all running your device uh, runtime. And maybe that world will come. But what could exist today is someone who's building a scheduling algorithm, whether it's running on Kubernetes or some other system, could be informed by all of those those unique data streams that you're collecting, you know, battery life, connectivity, you know, whatever those things are important, and potentially could treat a, a set of cars or a set of devices on the same network, that's probably more realistic, as something that approximates a cluster that I could deploy workloads on. Is that, am I getting the, the idea there? Pretty much, we pretty much contextualize Kubernetes, right? We provide more context to likes of Kubernetes that you can enable more intelligent workflow and deployment, right? So that's what we're, uh, we're enabling, absolutely right. You also surface kind of extracurricular capabilities like the presence of a GPU or some other, you know, additional capabilities that one device might have and another device might not? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're providing, that's what we're talking about, exposing the resource of the device. Got it. Exposing the type of network that they're connected to exposing the other resources that are available in this cluster of network or proximity or account, right? So that is uh, to basically contextualize Kubernetes with reality that is happening in the edge, right? So you provide that reality context back to likes of Kubernetes. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Let, let's talk about security. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times and it seems like in a world where my connectivity may extend beyond my network into other devices that might be nearby that I might not own or control. How do you view security in a world like that? So there are two ways to handle security, right? One is, hey, I'm I'm building. First of all, our platform is completely trustless, right? Is 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 virtually trustless because pretty much every transaction and every scope within the transaction need to have a token, need to have a OAuth 2.0 token. Every edge engine to edge engine communication need to be tokenized, but. Uh, we have uh, this model that, hey, you can build a security such as build a moat around the castle, right? So that nobody can enter the castle. But then the moment someone intrudes to the castle, then, hey, security is gone and they can use, they can access everything. Versus every door has a key, 
right? And that's what Mimic enables. The way we, we look at security is that every door has a key and the key is defining what you can access, right? So that's the security that we actually took a security first approach to our platform. The reason it took us so long to develop the comp- this, this solution and finally come out of a stealth mode was because all these corner cases that you're referring to, and we wanted to make sure that it's highly secure. So we have built six level of security into our platform. We took a security first approach. For our Edge SDK for free autos microcontroller, there is a device certification that is happening dynamically and, and also that enables, a, let's say, a sensor to have a HTTPS communication with another device, which is highly secure. And that, and then on top of it, applications can enable additional level of security, right? So that they want. And every piece of data that comes to Edge Engine, regardless of what it is, who is it from, gets blindly encrypted as well before it gets sent out. Excellent. You know, one of the hats I wear is the state of the edge. And every year we publish a research report that tries to capture the state, where we are relative to where we've been. And given, your, as you said, this, the long journey you've taken to get to this point with Mimic and the rest of the edge computing world has developed on its own, what trends What trends have you seen accelerating in the last year and where do you see it going? Well, definitely AI and ML at the edge, enabling many type of autonomous operation is the trend that I see is basically coming into every application that you are seeing. This is from cars to transportation systems to even surgical robots. Uh, In most cases, these vehicles may not always be connected to the network either. These devices may not always be connected to the network either, which requires quality of service, you know, to, to be supported and need to be dependent on the local network. I think the way I see it is that We're talking about edge. We enabled edge because we saw the traffic patterns are changing. You know, as I said, mobile internet, mobile connects to internet to consume content. But the traffic pattern is changing. These devices are now producing data. These devices are producing information. And as we have absolutely 24-7 massive amount of data. Massive amounts of data, 24-7, yes. You think a Netflix movie is big. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Three electronic shovels are creating three terabytes of data per, I think, per hour or something like that. Somebody gave me that data point. So it's not much about, to me, it's not much about where Edge is going, but more about what are the business demands for digital solutions and automation that drives the necessity for edge. And those business demands are, hey, I want to go from complete physical to digital world. I want to have AI-driven workflow. I want to have full automation. So that's if you look at the large enterprises. And that's where you quickly see that if I'm talking about full automation, I cannot think vertical. 
I can't think vertical application when I'm thinking about full automation of my manufacturing plant. Because if I have a robotic arm that has a camera, and as, let's say, car parts are passing this robotic arm to detect based on the model whether this car passed the quality or not, the moment this guy, this robot arm, noticing that something is off or not sure, it needs to take an action. Where is that action? Call a person to come and manually review it. Call another system that has higher capability of recognition to now recognize this while I'm streaming the live camera to that system. Call my CFO back office system to say 10% of the products that passed by my quality assurance did not pass the quality assurance measurement. So the moment you think about full automation, you realize that you cannot think vertical. And I think that's the driver for the necessity for edge, because that's when people realize that, okay, I have variety of device, variety of operating system, variety of actions, variety of data processing, and they're time sensitive, cost sensitive. How can I overcome it? And these systems need to communicate with each other. That's when you realize that, okay, I edge is necessity. And as long as I, as an enterprise, can adopt an architecture pattern, then I can utilize all these kind of compute that are available to me. Yeah, that makes sense. So I want to ask about your your vision for the future, but I, I like to ask this in a really interesting and particular way. So if you were to look out, say, over the next 18 months, and, you know, as, as startups, one of the questions we constantly are wondering is, when are all these other forces that we don't have control going to line up, or are they going to stay lined up with our vision? Because all these things have to come together. You know, the timing has to be right. You have a great idea, and it could be the wrong time. And so I'm wondering, if you look out in the future and you, know, you look at the, the dominoes that need to topple, what's one domino you would go and push <laughs> to move all of this that we're talking about forward? Do you have a favorite? I think it's happened right now, right? I think everything is lining up right now. Number one, I think COVID accelerated the demand for digital transformation, right? Overnight, I mean, up until before COVID, if you talk about digital transformation, and by the way, that's a big word, but that's a reality, right? I mean, when well, the way I joke about it, Faye, is that I, I say that every company that had a 10-year automation strategy now has a three-year automation strategy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and because it's a necessity now, you know, overnight they had to go digital. Unfortunately, it showed that humans are vulnerable. So how do I incorporate, you know, automation and robotic as part of my work process? A lot of people went overnight to web work, right? Okay, I'm digital by virtue of going to a website or, or create a web portal, but all the security alerts came up, all the data breaches, all the security breaches came up. So people realized that web is a band-aid approach and is not secure enough, right? And also over the past few years, one thing we notice is data exploitation and the impact of data exploitation on our society, which threatens democracy. So to me, 
these stars are lining up as we speak. And to some consultant points such as Deloitte, COVID actually accelerated the demand for digital transformation by six years. I think it was a lot more than six years because everybody wants digital. Everybody even realized that the cost of going to cloud is high, both in terms of bandwidth, latency, and again, cost of cloud. So we can't just overnight move from one side to another side. And 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 the stores are lining up. Now, on one side, we're seeing a massive flow of new startups that are in health tech, fintech, ag tech, that they want to innovate. And they are faster in terms of decision-making, right? They all have a time sensitivity for enabling their startup uh, companies. That's one effort that we have to basically work with our ecosystem and capture as many innovative companies as possible. And again, we're about enabling them. We're not about creating another monopoly. On another side, you have large enterprises. They need to be, uh, there's a need for awareness and there's a need for that comfort that I don't get locked in to one system. I often say as a consumer is wanting that I choose one brand over another brand for my entire household and I still deal with the issues that even within one brand, two devices don't necessarily communicate with each other. But it's another thing for an enterprise to decide, hey, for the rest of my life, I'm going to go with this single vendor. So it's about cross-ecosystem, cross-device, cross-network, cross-solutions. And that's the comfort that enterprises need, that they don't get locked in and they can iterate to delivery in a de-risk approach, right? So because, again, we come from solution development. We all know that when you deliver and launch something to the market, that's when you start realizing oh, I'm missing this, or oh, I need integration with the other element. As long as these enterprises realize that I have an architectural pattern and I have a platform or platforms that allow me to incorporate these cross-systems digital solutions, that's when we're going to start seeing the market is moving faster. But we're seeing a lot of those engagements right now. We, we, We ourselves are or have have variety of customers from telcos or that we 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 working together with them we're trying to assess their need within different uh, sector as i said fintech smart mobility and these things are happening we're we're also moving away from the app economy i think we're experiencing the tail end of app economy because that's something that happened over the past few years that everybody were just focused on creating an app, creating an app, creating unicorn, creating decacorn, creating all those things. But I think that the world realizing that they, it's no longer about app economy. It's, it's really about systems. The systems economy from the app economy, system economy. That's a, that's a blog post you should, you should write for State of the Edge. <laughs> yes, I, actually to that, point uh, we, we constantly talk about it that it's not about internet of things it's about internet of systems because things you know uh, again the use case that i gave that solar panel need to communicate with your thermostat even so uh, that is these are systems these are no longer just things 
And that's what the future of hyper-connected world is, systems communicating with each other, exchanging knowledge in order to drive to a decision. Faye, that is a terrific vision and I think an excellent place to to end the, the interview. Before we go, how can people find you and Mimic online? Mimic.com, developer.mimic.com is the other one. And maybe we should spell Mimic for them. M-I-M-I-K dot com. So yes, it's a mimic with a K um, to be playful about. It mimics the word mimic. Yes. <laughs> mimic the physical world to digital world. Mimic the cloud to the edge. And also we have obviously uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything else. Our call to action is for the developer community. We're going to start uh, activating that community. And we're looking forward to work with ecosystem with an IBM partner, with an AWS partner. We believe in ecosystem and let's edify the world together to build the next generation of digital economy. That's our message. Yeah, thanks. Wonderful. Th- thank you for joining us today. Faye. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. That does it for this episode of Over the Edge. Over the Edge is made possible through the generous sponsorship of the Magnificent Seven, Vapor.io, Packet, Seagate, Catchpoint, Ori Industries, Zenlayer, and NetFoundry. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to subscribe, rate five stars and review, and share the show with someone you know who might enjoy it. To get in touch with the show, email us at team at overtheedgepodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Seagate is making mass capacity object storage open at last with Cortex Intelligent Object Storage Software. Cortex is 100% open source object storage that enables efficient capture and consolidation of massive unstructured data sets for the lowest cost per petabyte. Designed, built, and maintained by Seagate and a community of data scientists and enterprise storage experts, Cortex brings exabyte scalability to your private cloud. Learn more and join the community at seagate.com.